0: good morning everyone welcome to our online sermon uh, for this week my name is Steve Parker I'm an associate pastor at Redeemer King Church and we're doing a topical series on a variety of subjects all of them beginning with the letter P and I'm going to be looking at what the Bible says about praise now I did actually volunteer to speak on a different subject Uh, I volunteered uh, powers and principalities in the epistles of Paul But I think uh, everybody agreed that that would have been an overdose of peas and uh, no one wants to overdose on peas, do they? Um, Not in any sense. So praise it is. So let's start with some definitions because it's always good to define your terms so we know what we're talking about. An everyday definition of praise is a verbal declaration of approval or affirmation about someone or something we love. And we do that every day, don't we? We praise our favourite football team, well, at least when they're winning. Uh, I hope that we praise our spouse or our children. Um, And uh, of course, as Christians, we praise God. And this usually takes the form of song. But it can be spoken too. The important element is that praise has verbal content. It requires language. It's something that's expressed primarily (coughs) in words of approval. affirmation now sometimes the act of singing together in church do you remember that Um, that's known as worship but this can be a bit confusing because worship in the Bible refers to far more than what Christians do when they gather together it's much more than the time of singing uh, that happens before the sermon although it's not wrong to call it worship it's just that worship is a far bigger category worship is what we do with our whole lives uh, Paul makes that clear in Romans 12 1 and 2 where he says that the offering of our bodies is our spiritual worship in other words worship is our whole lifestyle it's everything we do but we're focusing on praise this morning um, and praise is part of worship <clears throat> so as I was preparing I, I got out a great big concordance and I looked up every reference to praise in the Bible And there are literally hundreds of them but about 95 percent of them are about praise to god and someone asked me whether i was going to speak about praise of other people to which my response was well that's not where the bible puts the emphasis Um, now of course we should praise other people where that's appropriate where praise is due it's just that the bible normally uses different words for that it says encourage one another honor one another, and so on. So it seems that praise is almost exclusively something that is directed towards God. So how should we tackle this uh, vast amount of biblical material on praise? And as as I was reflecting on it, it seemed to me that there are three dimensions of praise. <clears throat> Not the only three, I'm sure, but uh, these impressed upon me. And there will be an opportunity for questions and further discussion afterwards in our zoom coffee lounge and uh, details about that will follow so the first point is i want to talk about praise as a destination what do i mean by that i mean that praise is the goal of history this is where everything is heading well what's the evidence for that you say you make the claim uh well let me give you some exhibits as it were some evidence but i think we can illustrate it firstly from the book of psalms as a whole Uh, as you may know there are 150 separate psalms uh, gathered together in in a single collection and these psalms convey every emotion of life there's anger and joy sadness and contentment anxiety and peace despair and confidence all of life is in the psalms And references to praise appear throughout the whole book, there's hardly a psalm goes by where there isn't at least one verse with a reference to praise. And yet there is a clear movement, there is a sense of development, there is a shift of emphasis as you go through. So that most of the psalms that we would regard as laments, those that reflect on the the sufferings of life, uh, they are predominantly in the first half of the book. Whereas the psalms that are more exclusively praise appear in the second half of the book. Uh, and so the sound of praise gets louder as you go through. And when you get to the end, it's almost all you can hear. In fact, the last five psalms, Psalms 146 to 150, are unadulterated praise. And that's not proof that praise is the goal of history, um, but it might be a clue. It becomes much clearer in the New Testament especially in ephesians chapter 1 where where paul makes a few statements that hint at god's ultimate purpose Uh, in ephesians 1 paul is outlining um, all the blessings of the christian life and all that god has done for us uh, in salvation through christ and three times he uses a phrase in verse 6 verse 12 and verse 14 where he says all this is to or for the praise of his glory it's all about the praise that will go to god at the end why did god save a people for himself why did he even create the world in the first place those are big questions why did he send jesus and the holy spirit and part of the answer i think is because god wanted a people who would be a a testimony a living example to the world of his grace so that in the end there will be a people praising god for all eternity that is the goal of history now you may have heard uh, discussions particularly in the political context uh, people talking about being on the right side of history usually meaning that we need to adopt uh, progressive ideas about morality because the world is changing folks and you don't want to get left behind. You don't want to end up on the wrong side of history but history is heading towards the praise of the God and Father of Jesus Christ and him alone that's the destination and we see it even more clearly in the book of Revelation and that's my third bit of evidence Revelation is a book of visions that picture both the present and the future some people think it's only about the future but it's actually picturing all of history Chapters four and five open a door into heaven now. This is happening now. And what's happening there? What is going on? Well, all of creation is bowing down and worshiping the Father and the Son. Revelation 5.13 says, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. That is happening now. Now, the world as we know it, the world in which we live at this point in time, is not yet fully under God's rule, but that is where history is heading. And towards the end of Revelation, there there are visions of judgment, but it concludes with the new heavens and the new earth. And once again, there is a call to praise. Revelation 19, verse 5. says a voice came from the throne saying praise our God all you his servants you who fear him both great and small hallelujah for our Lord God Almighty reigns let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory that is where history is heading praise is our destination and when Jesus comes back every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord So if we want to get on the right side of history now, we need to recognize that Jesus is the rightful king, that he alone is worthy of praise. Or we can continue to go our own way and find out that in the end we were on the wrong side of history. So praise is a destination, but it's also a choice. And that's the second dimension I want us to think about praise as a choice because in the story of the Bible there there are only two ways to live and that's presented in different ways a way of life and a way of death we either worship the living God or we worship idols of our own making Jesus taught about a broad road and a narrow path and I mentioned that nearly all the references to praise in the Bible are to do with the praise of god but there are a handful of verses that warn us about living for the praise of people there's a fascinating reference in 2 samuel 14 verse 25 which speaks of david's son absalom it says this in all israel there was not a man so highly praised for his handsome appearance as absalom from the top of his head to the sole of his foot there was no blemish in him absalom it seems needed the praise of people and if you don't know the story well it didn't end well for absalom Uh, the book of proverbs says that how we deal with praise is a major test of our character proverbs 27 21 says the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold but people are tested by their praise and that can refer to the praise we give as well as the praise we receive <clears throat> and then in John's gospel we get an insight into why some of the religious leaders were so opposed to Jesus John 12 verse 43 says many of the Pharisees would not believe in him because they loved human praise more than the praise of God so whose praise are you seeking to choose the praise of God is to invite the hostility of the world. When we choose to praise God, we are refusing to bow down to the gods of this world. In that sense, our praise is a political act. We're saying we do not worship the gods that this world worships, the gods of power and might, of consumerism and individualism and nationalism. By praising God, we're exercising a choice that we are not worshiping those other gods. Now, Christians are not subversive people. We're not a danger to society. Most of us are good, upstanding citizens, and we seek to do good to those around us. We seek the welfare of the city. But when push comes to shove, we must worship God rather than people. We do not live for the praise of men but that's a daily test because we all want to be liked and we all want to fit in but god's word is unashamedly binary Uh, john writes in his letter do not love the world or anything in it if anyone loves the world love for the father is not in them so this topic of praise touches on the whole area of uh, idolatry and who or what we we worship because what you praise reveals what you value and in the end it is often said we become what we worship if you worship money uh, we become greedy and everything gets reduced to a, a monetary value if we worship sex we become selfish and preoccupied with appearance If we worship fame, we become narcissistic, inward looking. If we worship power, we become ruthless. But if we worship God, we become more like him. We start to reflect his likeness. So praise is not only a destination, it is a daily choice that we face. And it's a choice that has transformative power. And then finally i want to talk about praise as witness Uh, i quoted romans 12 earlier where paul says that all of life is worship and peter says something similar to that as well in, in his first letter 1 peter 2 verse 9 but he uses the language of praise when he says you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation god's special possession that you may declare the praises Of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So, what does a life of praise look like? It doesn't mean we go around singing Christian songs at the top of our voices. Uh, Peter goes on to explain what it does mean that it means abstaining from sinful desires and living such good lives among and before people so that they too are brought to a knowledge of God. A life lived in praise of God then looks like obedience to God and it looks like doing good to others. And that is part of our witness. Now, there are particular occasions when the choice to praise God is a very powerful witness. Uh, When times are hard, praise is a highly effective counter response. Psalms 42 and 43 are are often uh, described as psalms of depression. Uh, And certainly the psalmist is downcast and feels far away from God. But he doesn't give in to despair. Uh, Three times there is a a refrain as he talks to himself. says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. He continues to praise even when he feels apart from god and he holds out hope for better days there's an even more stark example i think from the prophet habakkuk one of the minor prophets he can see that there's a lot wrong with the world and god doesn't seem to be doing anything about it about all the injustice so uh, god speaks to him and and reassures him that he is still in control. And that he is still working out his plan and his purpose even though habakkuk doesn't fully understand it and the heart of faith keeps looking to god and trusting in him that's one of the key uh, verses in habakkuk the righteous will live by faith we keep trusting we keep our eyes on jesus and at the end it brings out this prayer <clears throat> uh, which. Uh, i'm sure you may have heard before habakkuk 3 17 though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food though there are no sheep in the sheepfold and no cattle in the stalls yet i will rejoice in the lord i will be joyful in god my savior if you can keep praising god in these testing times then our faith will become deeper and our witness will become stronger. Let me encourage you then to live a life of praise, because that is our destination. If you're a believer. It's also a daily choice we face when we're confronted with the gods of this world. But you might be feeling a little bit disappointed this morning. You might be wondering, well, he hasn't said anything about the mechanics of praise you know, how should we do it and that was deliberate because i think there is complete freedom on that one there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach we all have our preferred styles of music our favorite songs and artists and so on and i certainly don't want to restart the worship wars this morning But since we aren't able to meet together at the moment, that there's kind of a wonderful freedom and opportunity in that. It means that we can choose to worship in whichever way we want. Uh, We can choose to listen to whatever kind of music is is our preference. But my point is, make sure that you make that space in your life. Make sure that praise is built into your life. Listen to praise music. It doesn't matter when it was written. It doesn't have to be hot off the press contemporary. You know, it doesn't have to be uh, 1980s. It doesn't have to be 1750s. It doesn't matter when it was written. Just download some music on your phone or or get some uh, CDs of Christian music. Listen to Premier Christian Radio. Use the... um, recorded songs that we that we've put out on the RK um Facebook page just make time and space for praise and thank God for who he is and for what he's done that is essentially what praise is that's the mechanics we thank God for who he is what he has done what he is doing and what he will do it takes the focus off us and it back on God, and as this book of psalms finishes let everything that has breath praise the lord amen praise be to you o god the maker of the universe by whose wisdom we are created and sustained praise be to you o god the father of our lord jesus christ by whose love we are redeemed and forgiven. Praise be to you, O God, the source of all holiness, by whose spirit we are made whole and brought to perfection. Praise be to you, O God, source of all being, eternal word and Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and shall be for ever. Amen. The Zoom coffee lounge will follow shortly. If you wish to join me for further reflection and discussion, then please follow the link contained in the email that you received yesterday. And it will not start until the songs have finished. So let's continue to worship God in song. The first one is called Dance Again. It was written by Matt Hooper from Life Church in Bradford. And he wrote it in response to the testimony of a young woman in his church. And you can watch the story on YouTube if you just search for the story behind Dance Again. This woman had been in a wheelchair for nine years, suffering from ME, but she held on to the promise that one day she would dance again. And the song is a testimony to the power of praise.